so I, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you have to clean out your wallet, purse, junk drawer, garage, you'll find a number of different things. One of the things lately that I've been looking at is how many different cards that I have, club cards, reward cards. I mean, there's a lot on my phone, but still you have these different cards. Now, of course, every day, you know, I'm looking at my wallet and see my ID for my driver's license. Yeah, I've got my passport over here, and I've got these different cards that show that I'm part of certain groups and things like that, my gym membership and, and, and my library card. I still have a Glendora library card. And not only that, I forgot, but I have a card that says I am a friend of the Glendora Library. <laughs> I think years ago, I must have donated something, and I have a card that shows I'm a friend of the library. I don't know what kind of friend I've been in the last decade or two, but when I look at each one of these, you know, you could see your affinity groups or your associations with stuff. And I can chuckle at my um, lack of commitment to my Friends of Glendora card, but I had to think about it, uh, especially at the gym that I was a part of. On one wall, it says, you belong. On the other wall, it says, no commitment. <laughs> I'm wondering, can I have one without the other? And then I started thinking about of all these different cards and memberships and, you know, ID cards, whether it's, you know, uh, work at certain places. I started to think about, well, what about with church? How does that look like at Cornerstone Bible Church? So, see, when I look at these different cards, I, I have to ask, do, do I have a solid affinity with that or do I just have a loose connection? Is something more convenient or am I really part of it and contributing to what's happening there? So in our passage today, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 to 22. And really, one of the things that I want to get at is, what does it look like for us to really belong, right? I could have these cards that, that show I'm a part of these certain things. Hey, I could even go to church, but how do I know that belonging is taking place? Because every one of us has a longing for belonging. Matter of fact, in the first chapter of Ephesians, and I preached on this last month, was our identity in Christ being in him, in Christ, and how much the Apostle Paul mentioned that. Today, we're looking at the fact that not just who you are in Christ, but even more so, what does that look like in community when God is bringing two different entities, Jews and Gentiles, together to be one unit? And so as we go along this passage, that's what I want to focus on, is what does it mean for Christians to belong to God and then also to belong to each other, which is really the part we're going to emphasize. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 to 22. And I kindly ask if you are able to stand for the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 to 22. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people 
and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thank you. You may be seated. So if you're one that likes to take notes, there is something in the bulletin, a little sermon sheet. And what I want to do is start off with a reminder of where we've been lately in Ephesians. So if you weren't here with us last week, uh, Pastor Bruce went over Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 16. And there are a few things that were mentioned in that particular passage. Now, I want to highlight that. Um, you'll see it as it comes on the screen. You'll also see it in the sermon notes or what the Gentile believers were formerly, right? That they were separated from Christ. So the Apostle Paul is reminding them of these five things. You were separated from Christ. You're excluded from citizenship in Israel. You, you didn't belong to Israel. Uh, you were foreigners to the covenants of promise. You're without hope and without God in the world. Pretty, pretty bleak situation and the very fact that God would include them because of Christ's work on the cross. These are what the Gentile believers were formerly. And as you noticed in, in, go back to verse 14, actually it goes from verse 14 to 18, kind of straddles part of what we're going over today, is that Paul highlights that hostility that was between humans and God and Jews and Gentiles. So in dealing with that, he's bringing peace to those who are near and those who are far, right? In our passage in verse 17, that's how we start with. That now a hostile relationship is made peaceful, but not only peaceful, productive, and this is what the Apostle Paul is going to springboard into in the rest of Ephesians, is that is we notice that from verse 17, right? That he's brought peace. But here's something too, and I, I want to highlight this. Four particular things that the Apostle Paul mentions that we have in common. Now, he's saying this of the Jews and Gentiles as he's writing to the church at Ephesus, but it's also for those that are formerly not Christians who are now Christians. Notice the first thing as it comes up on the screen is that we now have access. There's a common access. The Gentiles and the Jews both have access to God the Father because of what Jesus has done. That at any time, anywhere, 24-7, we who know Christ can come to the Father. That we could come to him in prayer. It's all because Jesus granted us the access. Now, notice the Trinitarian statement that Paul mentions in verse 18. It's through Christ, to God the Father, by one Spirit. So each person in the Trinity bringing this about where Jews and Gentiles together, that we have access to God. I don't know if you have even thought about that within our context. In foreign missions, when we talk about our brothers and sisters who are worshiping 
the Lord in persecuted areas, we don't think about what a benefit it is for us to just walk in any of these doors and to come in to sing worship songs, to study the word of God, to to pray, to give an offering, to fellowship with one another in public. So when we think of this question of access, before in the temple, you had the court of Gentiles. That was outside. It's now being brought together. There's a common access. Well, notice the second thing that the Apostle Paul mentions in this passage is that we have a common citizenship. Here's the new reality that we now are called fellow citizens. This was for the Gentile. Fellow citizens. We have a new divine nationality that is far above any person's nationality and flag. It's the very fact that as a Christian, that we are citizens in God's kingdom, that God's kingdom is more important. And and so this is important that together that there are no second-class citizens. We don't say because of not just Jew and Gentile, but even today. Anybody, whatever their former situation was, their background, socioeconomic status, whatever sins that seem to label them, all those are out because we have common access and a common citizenship because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so you, you think about this and realize we belong to God's kingdom. I don't think we understand how amazing that is, but we belong to God's kingdom. Praise God that his leadership and his government way different than human governments. The fact that we are called citizens of God's kingdom. Notice the third thing that we have in common. We have a common family. We have a common family. Notice that it says there that we are members of God's household who are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Elsewhere, uh, Paul mentions this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, that he's a master building. He's building on the apostles and the prophets. But notice what's mentioned is that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Think back to Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, that the cornerstone is that visible part that, that gives symmetry, unity, and design to the building, that Jesus is the cornerstone. Of course, we love that because we're Cornerstone Bible Church, right? We love to sing it. You know, when we get to that in a song, we just sing it a little bit louder. When we see it in the scripture, we go, yeah, the cornerstone, you know, especially if there's other churches around, right? It says cornerstone. And, but Jesus is the chief cornerstone. It isn't any personality. It isn't anything else except for it's on Jesus. And this is what the, our Access and citizenship and family status is because Jesus is the chief cornerstone and that's built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. It's what gives the building its design. Notice that everything we are in Christ is because of Christ. And so he is the central figure. And in all that, we belong to his family. Now, That sounds really nice. 
Now, you don't have to show, you know, raise a hand because Thanksgiving time, they're in all seriousness, right? Some families experience difficulty. And we think family is such a nice term, but sometimes there are some difficulties with family, right? Um, if you're not sure, how many of you gone camping with family? That just, that reveals some things, right? Some people are more on the, I'd rather be glamping. I didn't know that was a thing, but yes. Uh, so we can talk about it. Let, let's not romanticize the idea about family, but let's still extol it as an important virtue and the very thing that God has adopted us and now we are part of his family. No matter what our background is, we're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And scripture shows us how we're to treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're talking about today, believing and belonging. Later, we're gonna talk more about behaving. In Ephesians, there's more about how do we behave in light of who we believe in and who we belong to. But where we're at in our particular passage, we're gonna see that we are belong, belonging to the family of God. The fourth thing that we have in common is a faith dwelling. A faith dwelling. The reason why I say it that way is just the way also that we see it in scripture here, because notice that Paul is mixing metaphors. As you look back, notice that in verse uh, uh, 21, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises or grows to become a holy temple. And in him, you too are, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So obviously a building growing as if it's organic, he's putting these things together. But notice this building it has to contrast probably the most important building in Ephesus, which was the Temple of Diana or Artemis, which was one of the seven wonders of the world, which lies in ruins while God's church still exists and grows. It's because his spirit dwells with us. Now, here's the thing. It's, as we look at this, and it's important to note, that the holy temple is his people, the saints, and that Jesus is the one who makes it grow, that join together in him. So there's the image of growing together in him, that vertical and being built together, us all together, Jews and Gentiles. And this is what we have in common, a faith dwelling but see, the church isn't tied to a building like in the early church. Now you might be going, well, wait a minute, Mike. Didn't, aren't we excited about Glendora City Council unanimously saying that we can build on our property? So that's good. It's great. But guess what? It's not about the building. When we're giving to a building project, the building is the tool. The building is the opportunity for people to utilize our campus, not just in a bigger sanctuary, so that people would know Jesus Christ and grow in him and be part of the family here. That's why we're doing it. It's not about the building, okay? But the building is an important tool that God's going to use for Cornerstone to grow, just as we want to grow and make disciples of all nations. And so the dwelling 
of the Spirit in the midst of the people. So not saying anything against the church building. In the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon highlighted the fact that it's made up of people in whom the Spirit lives. This is what Spurgeon said. One place is as much consecrated as another. And wherever meet with true hearts, reverently to worship God, that place becomes for the time being God's house. See, the important thing about Jesus Christ reconciling Jews and Gentiles, or in our situation, people from such diverse backgrounds together, is so that the Spirit would dwell in our midst. When churches are experiencing incredible conflict and things, you can be guaranteed that the Spirit is not working with those believers. When, when we're coming together to say, we want to glorify God and value one another, then that's where the Spirit is going to be moving in powerful ways. So as we take a look at this, as we go forward, there's a couple things that I want to mention because this is all about belonging. The emphasis today, the practical application for you this morning, is that we're talking about belonging. Belonging to Christ is what we've talked about in the last couple weeks. But today, what does it mean to also belong to his people. So as, as you see that, as it comes up on the screen, you're, you're going to notice that there are implications of belonging, okay? Now, I, I want to mention this because these are the five dimensions of personhood. This is what sets us apart from everything else in creation, that we're created in God's image, that we're physical, social, emotional, cognitive, and spiritual beings, and sometimes when we talk about belonging, we only talk about the, the emotional part of how I feel, which, which is good. But we don't realize that each one of these dimensions of our personhood has implications for belonging. Now, let me start with the first one, with the physical. Is that in, in physical belonging, there's an element of touch. There's handshakes, there's hugs. There's personal, physical presence with each other. We have the opportunity um, when we are together um, to see each other's body language, right? Now, think about the first part of the pandemic, physically isolated from people. Yeah, you can be on Skype or Zoom or Google Meets or any of these different things, but yeah, you're kind of face-to-face, -face, but you're not there, right? There's a physical sense of belonging that we didn't realize also went into these other areas, right? There's something about being together in Bible study, in worship service, serving in ministry physically. Well, here's the other thing. Look at it socially. The implications of belonging socially is knowing and being known. That, that's what it is. We, we need to know and to be known. Think about how it is when somebody sees you and they call you by name or mention that they've missed you or they ask about how, how's your grandma doing that we've been praying for. There's something about this recognition socially that, that again, that's part of our longing for belonging is to have a place where we can 
cultivate and develop friendships where we know that at a certain time, if I, if I need a ride from the airport or somebody's going to visit me in the hospital or something, man, who, who are my people? Not just the social club of what our hobbies are, but who are the people that they're really going to do life with me? This is the social part, um, a very important component in our belonging. But here's a caveat that I want to mention. Fitting in is not the same as belonging. Very important. Fitting in is not the same thing as belonging. Because you can dress a certain way, act a certain way, have certain proclivities for certain hobbies, but that doesn't mean you belong and you're part of the group. There's something deeper that has to take place. And sometimes we think that somebody belongs when they're just kind of fitting in. Said in a different way, we can be in a large group, like in this room, and experience something called crowded loneliness. I'm around a lot of people, but I don't really know anybody or I don't feel known. Now, this is the reality of certain things, right? So that's the social part. Let, uh, you know, going to the emotional part, which most people are probably akin to, it's mattering to others. Do I matter? Am I respected and valued? That's the emotional part of belonging. Do I feel like I matter? Do I have a voice? Am I, am I valued for who I am? Uh, these are emotional parts of belonging. And as I'll mention, this is an important part of church. As we look at the Jews and the Gentiles that were brought together, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden it's going to be one happy family. Right? They have to be working on certain things. And that's why I'm spending the time to go over these. Not just what you and I receive, but as I'll mention a little bit later, we have to be actively doing that on behalf of others. It's not, this isn't an exercise in self-focus, like how am I getting these? I want us first and foremost to say, wow, that's what the family of God needs. How am I helping them? with the physical, the social, the emotional parts? How do I give value to people? Well, let me go to the fourth thing. And and we don't think about this one in particular is the cognitive or the intellectual. We don't really think that that's belonging, but, but let me share this with you, is that in the cognitive part, I'm challenged to think biblically. I'm challenged to think biblically. Do you notice how many times that we mentioned that we want to be good students of the word? Okay, do you want to belong to a group that has that, that's cognitive or intellectual, not to say knowledge is the most important thing, but knowledge is appreciated, right? This is a part of belonging because if we just sat around and just told stories and did some stuff but, and we never opened up God's word, that would be kind of a cognitive and a spiritual problem, wouldn't it? (laughs) We want to be challenged with our mind. And I would even go so far as to say that even as we want to study the Bible, which is a very spiritual part, we also have to think through within our cultural context of how do I apply the things from Scripture in light of what's happening in my city, in my economy, in politics, in the way that I treat my family members, all those things. We, we We have to think our mind is important. And the last one is spiritual. 
the spiritual belonging, right? That's our, our views and our beliefs. You can even say doctrines, our views, beliefs, and values, right? So our views, beliefs, and values are very important. So at Cornerstone Bible Church, you notice in the last couple of months, we've been talking about what the staff has put together as our six core values. Now, we have more than six values, but the six core values at Cornerstone, when we're talking about um, how we value biblical knowledge, worship, prayer, community, discipleship, and missions. So you'll see those six things. And here's the thing. How do we know that we value those? Because we're seeing it. How are we spending our money? How are we spending our time? How are we using our resources? It's for those things that should typify who we are as Cornerstone Bible Church. So part of this is resonating with spiritual belonging. I I want to belong to people that have that very same pursuit. So these are the implications of belonging. Maybe you haven't thought about it, but there are times when you might might have felt like, I don't belong, or thought, eh, I might not belong. But as we look through this, I want to emphasize something about movement towards what contributes to our belonging. And there's three things that I, I, I want to mention um, and discuss, because here's the contribution part. First is this, is that we are living our purpose. That's the first way to contribute to belonging is that we live out our purpose and our purpose at Cornerstone Bible Church is to love God and others well. That's our purpose. So living out our purpose for each one of us, that contributes to belonging. I mean, just think about it that we come from such diverse backgrounds, personalities, strengths, different socioeconomic backgrounds. As I've said before, I mean, the only way that we're in the same room is because of Jesus. Why else will we hang out? We have such different things, but it's all about Jesus. And so, but we're living out our purpose to love God and others well. And in doing so, we have to think about this. When we truly, each one of us individually and collectively, when we are glorifying God and valuing each other, belonging happens. Happens. If you and I are not spending time with God, and then, of course, because of that, then probably not treating each other the way we should, there's going to be an absence of belonging. There's going to be an absence of that family feel of what God wants from his people that he has brought together for his glory and our benefit. So you think about it, living our purpose. Secondly, is that we are active and intentional. This contributes to belonging. Like I said, that too many times we think of belonging as passive and receptive. I mean, that we're receiving it. Not so much that we contribute actively to others' belonging. And so I want you to think about this because it's not just for our benefit, it's for others. And it doesn't happen on its own, right? It has to be intentional. 
How am I going to help people feel included? How am I going to help them to know that they matter? That I want to encourage them and pray for them and be a cheerleader for them. So I just want to give a number of different examples of active and intentional ways that we can belong. And and this doesn't mean that we're doing every one of these, but a few things come to mind. Hospitality is huge. Using people's names, please and thank you. Go figure, manners, right? But just opening up. Hospitality isn't just food, but that's another part too, right? Sharing a meal. I always like to say that Jesus got most trouble when he was eating with people he wasn't supposed to eat with. Table fellowship, right? Sharing a meal gives a sense of belonging at the table. Hospitality is that I want you to feel loved and safe when you're here. Um, Praying for and with one another is actively and intentionally enhancing belonging. Being a part of a discipleship group where you get to study the word together, discuss things, grow friendships. You get the opportunity to pray for and with each other. Serving in ministry. Serving in ministry is an opportunity to contribute to the belonging of others. And you might, you might catch yourself enjoying the fact that, you know what, I feel good after I serve. So there's certain things that in this belonging that's important and the opportunities to be able to help people in that process. One of the things, too, that I think about with this idea of mattering is I have to acknowledge that every one of us has been let down at some time where we didn't feel that great sense of belonging or Christian family. And, and yet, I'm thankful for forgiveness. I'm thankful for the opportunity that God gives us in the messiness of relationships in humility to grow closer to each other as we're drawing close to God. Because even as I say that, maybe at this church or at others, you haven't had that sense of belonging. Maybe you haven't had this idea of feeling valued. And that breaks my heart. And we could always do better. Doesn't mean we're doing a terrible thing, but I have to acknowledge what's there, right? Because it's, we're not having some Pollyanna view. We're just saying, you know what? As different as we are, yes, we're brought together. But we still have to work out the fact of the old nature or our personality or pride or certain things. So I say that because we want to be active and intentional to help people belong. Here's, here's uh, a third thing um, that contributes is having a growth mindset. Now, now this is not just a business term or an organizations um, that are doing R&D, but having a growth mindset means we're not just managing what is, we want to grow. Notice Paul's mixed met- metaphor when he talks about a, a building growing. It's something that's organic and dynamic. God desires that his church will grow, not just quantitatively, but qualitatively. So when when we talk about a growth mindset, it's progress. It's organic growth. And it's the same thing for our local church, Cornerstone Bible Church. It's the same of any church around the globe. 
is it to have a growth mindset. So belonging is something that's active. Belonging isn't just thinking about how the good old days were and living in the past. No, no, no. You ever been to a place or a group where you come in, you feel like everybody knows each other and you feel like, man, I'm the odd man out in this dinner party. They all went to elementary school together and here I am, the newbie. So even talking about physical proximity, you know, when you're talking to somebody, open up, right? So growth mindset is how do we include? This isn't a holy huddle. Do you know why we go to the nations to proclaim about Jesus Christ is because God wants more worshipers, right? John Piper mentioned that missions exist because worship doesn't. That is, he wants everyone on the planet to know him. And so we go out. And so the church is one that wants to include people in to believe in Jesus Christ, to belong to the family and to behave in such a way that gives God glory and values uh, to each other. So there's a growth mindset. So in just kind of going back over those common things that we had, I just want to remind us of these things. That access is really prayer, that at any time we can go to God in prayer. The very fact that as fellow citizens, the cross is more important than the flag, whatever country you're a part of, right? The very fact that we are in God's kingdom, that we're part of God's family. What is it like to then grow in my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And then lastly, to be reminded that when I'm together with other Christians, that the spirit, the spirit of Christ is in our midst. And don't, don't forget that. Don't take that for granted. And, and really what this does is brings us to our take-home truth is that belonging, belonging happens after we believe in Jesus and we're growing together with fellow believers. When we think about this particular passage, belonging happens after we believe in Jesus. That we're now citizens, family members, right? And are growing together with fellow believers. That growth part is so important. So important that over 50 times in the New Testament, you see the one another's, right? Love one another, forgive one another. That's relational language that helps us. So I've noticed this in the last decade or so, and I say this a lot, that a lot of times people, non-Christians even, will come to church and they want to belong before they believe. And that's fair because you're not sure like, man, I don't know about this whole Christianity thing. So they come, check it out, see how people are treating each other, going, okay, all right, maybe that's okay. But, but here's the thing. That's good. And if that's you, keep coming. But here's the thing I want to mention. You have that little sense of belonging from the fringe, but it's not until you believe in Jesus Christ that you truly belong into the family of God. We're all created by God, but we're not all his family. Scripture makes it plain, and John mentions this in the first chapter of his gospel. It's only those that believe in Jesus Christ that were called sons and daughters. And so belonging happens after we believe in Jesus. But notice that it's also in growing with fellow believers. And that's one of the things that I I want to finish with in just giving you a couple of questions to consider. Because unlike my gym, belonging includes commitment. 
Commitment to Jesus Christ and commitment to brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Because Jesus died for us, we choose to live for him. And we choose to live with those who are believers doing life together that we might glorify God in all things. And so here's three questions that I want you to to, to think about. And the first is this. um, How are you growing together with other Christians? How are you growing together with other Christians? And, And I probably will specifically say those at Cornerstone Bible Church within our context. Okay? If this is your church, how, how are you growing? How are you growing together with other Christians? And here's the second question, a follow-up to that, is how does this enhance your sense of belonging? So how are you growing together with other Christians? And how does this enhance your sense of belonging? Because those are things you want to make sure that are right there. And so how does it enhance your sense of belonging? And then lastly, who could you include in this pursuit? Did you ever say, oh, it'd be so nice if somebody, you know, uh, heard, heard this particular topic or went to this group. What does that mean for in- inviting and encouraging and praying for other people um, who are not collected, uh, connected? who maybe don't have that sense of belonging that we're talking about. That's what we want to actively pursue. Um, It's really thinking about a no one left behind mentality. But we're looking out for each other. I hope that we as a church, not just in the service, but in our discipleship groups, in the different midweek ministries, in the ministries in our homes and out in the community, that we can actively pursue belonging and to be reminded of all that Jesus Christ has done for us to bring us together now that he wants to mobilize us and empower us by his love through his spirit to make a difference in our church, in our community, and around the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and we're reminded once again of the many gifts that we have through Jesus Christ. Thank you once again for your church here. Thank you for the faithfulness of those that have gone before us way back to the founding in July 14th, 1931. And I pray, Lord, for the future of this church that we'd be known for giving you glory and for living out your commands. Lord, I pray that you would help us to develop that awareness, sensitivity, and pursuit to help to love you and others well. God, use us as you see fit this week that we would glorify you and value those around us. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.